0: welcome back everyone again this is Kenny Newell with RememberEnsembleStudios.com we have a special guest today. We're going to talk about a lot of things uh, in this interview today, but we have a special guest, Sandy Peterson. For people who don't know who Sandra Pe- Sandy Peterson is, uh, he worked at Ensemble Studios doing all types of game design. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of Ensemble because I know everyone who comes here really loves all of the old Ensemble stuff, but we also follow all those new projects and things that all your favorite designers and game developers that are doing that are from the ex-Ensemble area. Today, Sandy Peterson is here and he has a kickstarter project we're going to talk about that project and exactly what kickstarter is and how you can contribute to that project to help a lot of these designers out fulfill some awesome projects uh, that they're doing independently sandy how are you doing today sir i'm
1: doing great how are you doing i'm doing wonderful
0: we heard about this project of yours i saw something on it on twitter and i and people were excited about it and i thought we would just sit down and talk a while uh tell us a little bit about this project and kickstarter and and the game and and everything about it
1: okay that's cool um... do you, do you not want to talk a little bit about, about, about my connection with ensemble first?
0: yeah sure go ahead
1: okay well I started an ensemble in 1997 which is actually very near the start um, you, you and your fans are probably aware that we got a, uh, we got a bomber jacket with a, with a hash mark on the arm for every year you were there only three people or so had more hash marks than me, so that was, you know, kind of cool. But uh, I was brought in to work on, uh, uh, actually, the second line of projects that never got off the ground after uh, at the same time as Age of Empires. Then I was the lead on uh, Rise of Rome. I worked on uh, Age of Empires II, Age of Kings, and then I was the lead on The Conquerors. and I worked on Age of Empires III, and I was the lead on... Basically, I was, I was always the lead on the expansion. So in that one, I was the lead on the, the War Chiefs. And then we moved on to do Halo Wars. I was I was not the lead on that, but I worked on that. And then, after I left on... After I fumbled, uh imploded, so to speak, or actually was killed, right, I moved on to uh, do my own projects. Right now I'm doing a game called Cthulhu World Combat. And it's a strategy game. And uh, it is... Made for a lot. The idea is for it is to be on a lot of platforms. You're going to put it on iOS, it's going to be on the computer, it's going to be on um, Android, it's going to be on we have hopefully some of the, uh, the online networks like uh, the Wii Network and Xbox Live and like that. Now, uh, ca- it's a turn-based strategy.
0: Now, Cthulhu... I, I, uh yeah, I watched some of your website, and I looked at uh, a few of the trailers for it and talking about the Kickstarter project. Uh, I saw that this was something, a book that you picked up when you were younger and something that you just kind of became interested in. It seemed like you were really involved in a lot of projects that run along this theme. Is that true?
1: Yes. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was a horror writer who wrote in the, in the 20s and 30s, and pretty much every modern horror writer and most modern horror movies are influenced by his work. And the thing that first got me into doing game design was a game called The Call of Cthulhu, which was a horror role-playing game based on the works of Lovecraft. Cthulhu is pretty well known now, but he wasn't then. When I started doing it, he's a huge alien god, somebody that leads the Pacific, that someday will rise up and wipe out the Earth. So yeah. the game is sort of based on him rising up and wiping out the Earth.
0: Well, it's, it sounds like a great you know, theme to wrap a game around. I saw that this is the first time you could actually play Cthulhu in, in any game that you know. Is that yeah, correct? That's right. This is the first time I know where you actually get to beat Cthulhu. And in fact, there's, there's a whole
1: pantheon of these different alien uh, entities or, or gods or whatever you want to call them that come down to uh, that are threatening the earth. And so what the uh, idea behind the game is is that they finally come down to clear off the earth and then they're fi- basically they're fighting over the earth. It's you play these various alien uh, gods, and you have your own... Every Everyone you have your own different minions that you can throw against each other. And so you all have some minions in common, that's the cultists, the humans that work for you. And the rest are be- various uh, interdimensional monsters and creatures and alien species that you've brought down to, to fight each other. So uh, that's the intent.
0: Now this is an asynchronous type game uh, where you make some moves, you send it to your friend, he makes a few moves, uh, and of course, uh, uh, strategy based. The uh, which seems wonderful. There aren't that many strategy games of that type that where you're doing the asynchronous turn-based type stuff like a Words with Friends or a um, uh, that type of game. It seems like a lot of people may be really interested in it.
1: Well, that was the thing that got that got me. I was looking at. I was... I mean, one of my friends, Paul Vettner, as you know from Ensemble Studios, did Words with Friends and Chess with Friends, and and then he uh, headed up the, uh, the, the Zynga bought him and turned it into Zynga with Friends. And uh, so I was looking at those at the iPhone games I had, and there really weren't any strategy games that I could play with another person very easily that way. So it seemed to me there was room for that. And uh, one of the issues is that a lot of strategy is like we're playing. Civilization, which actually I was also involved in at one time, uh, the first Civilization I helped out on that, but um, one of the issues with it was that you can't play for a game, with, you turn can't last half an hour to an hour on a, on a phone system, right? So the idea was that if I could give a strategy game where you could do your turn pretty quick and then send it off to your friend if you playing the strategy games with other people that's, th- that's one of the things that I thought was a great innovation of RTS games is that you're playing your games against someone else, which is cool. Um, so this is a, it uses a word with friends friend model for how you do the turn. turns are fairly quick. The gameplay is uh, not too far off from, um, say, a, a lighter form of civilization or advanced wars, if you're familiar with that.
0: Yes, I've played some advanced wars. I, I, I So kind of, a, you, you make... You have a certain amount of moves you make and then send it to them, and they have either use resources or build or move a certain amount, so you have a certain amount of uh, turns that you take per time that you send it to each person, something of that well, sort?
1: Well, the idea right now is that you take a turn and then send it off, But your turn and your turn takes like anywhere from 30, 40 seconds to a couple of minutes, and then you fire it off to your friend, and then at their convenience, they do the turn, send it back to you. Now, when you get the turn, uh, you need to know what's going on because it's... The strategy game it's not, it's not a Scrabble or Chess, you, you have to know what's been happening. And so you can replay the previous, the game replays the previous turn for you, which you can skip that if you want. And you can, and it actually saves all the turns so you can replay the whole game to kind of see where things have been going and figure it out. And uh, the other thing that's cool about it is of course you can have multiple games going on at a time. So you can be playing the game with five, playing separate games with five or six different people. And then whenever one of them, any one of them makes their turn, then, you know, it's sent to you and being your phone tells you and then you can hop on and do something.
0: Well, it's kind of a new way of doing things. I, I know I'm somewhat familiar with Kickstarter, but a lot of people who listen to the broadcast and, and listen to the interviews, I always try to make sure that they understand what's what and if I'm talking about something that I, I don't leave them behind. Now, Kickstarter uh, is a project in which people can start uh, a project, whether it be music or art or a game or something of the sort, uh, and have people uh, it's somewhat like a fan-supported type deal um, It's and that It's kind of cool, I think, that fans can actually put some of their money into the development, into the things that they like and the things that they're really passionate about. It's almost like they're part of the team or they're they're part of the guys, you know, I can give $10 or $20 or $100 because into the things that I really like and I want to see. Uh, For people who aren't that familiar with Kickstarter, tell us about it. Is this your first project on Kickstarter and and what are you learning about it?
1: This is my first project on Kickstarter. And I was informed about it, frankly, by, by, my, by some of my children. My, my children are adult now. They're in their 20s and 30s. But uh, they told me about this, and I started looking into it. And the, the way Kickstarter works is there's more than well, one. There's also Indiegogo, which is more popular in Europe, but they're essentially a crowd-based funding thing. What happens is that you put together a, you put together a presentation, and there's certain categories for us. There is there's music, and there's art, and there's gaming, which is obviously my category and you put together your presentation and you get a video if you have it and you put it up on kickstarter then anyone can browse to kickstarter if they see something they like they can um... dedicate money to it and the thing that makes it unique is that when you do the project you tell them how much you need so for example my project we need four hundred... we need three hundred thousand dollars to do the basic project that's how much it costs to do a, a, a good you know ensemble level quality game for even even a small one, <laughs> and uh, what happens is that if you, for example, put in eighty bucks or whatever on Kickstarter, that money would go through Amazon and it would be held by Kickstarter. Okay, and then if I don't make enough money in the Kickstarter campaign to fund the game, in other words, it comes out short, then what happens is that the Kickstarter returns all the money to you. Okay, so so I don't get part of the money. I just either I can do the project or if I can't do the project, there's no point in my getting the money so it goes back to the fans. So it's kind of, you know, semi-risk-free because either the project funds and then I make the awesome game and, and you get it working for the promise, there's a lot of different levels of investment that you get rewards for. For example, the you know, the basic one is get a copy of the game. Uh, if you invest enough in this Kickstarter, you can actually have things like have a unit named after you and open that campaign or one of the top ones is you actually can have a faction um, created for you. So, uh, in in the game, sort of be kinda like you had the um, the Canel faction in uh, Halo Wars or something, right? Sure. So uh, if you I'm not sure where I was going on that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that is that if the game doesn't fun, you just get all the money back and there's and there's no loss, right? You're just like, Okay, that's too bad then you have the money to do something else with. I guess there's a little bit of risk in that the money isn't earning interest while it waiting in a Kickstarter, but it doesn't wait in Kickstarter very long, because most of the campaigns
0: are only about a month long. I understand. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's really no risk in the way that, uh, and I think people that, that whatever, they they fund a project or they want to make a contribution to it, uh, they're doing it because they love it. I think a lot of those people really love it, and so it's something that they probably would buy anyway, or do anyway, or put into. Uh, I, I. It's such a cool, grassroots-type deal, to where the people who are yeah, it's no different than pre-ordering the game. And pre-ordering it in different levels. I mean, the things you love, you can put more into. If you want to do $500 and really get into it and and, and get the benefits of, of that, uh, whatever tier that that is, you can do it. So it's, it can be as little yeah. as, you know, what, $30 or, or whatever. But you can, can like technically put in $1, right? At our, end, our Kickstarter doesn't have a reward level for $1, but, I mean, people can do that if
1: they want The big advantage of Kickstarter is that you're actually going directly to the fans. Um, The normal funding position for a game company is that, for example, on Ensemble, when we pitched a new game, we basically had to go to Microsoft and say, hey, would you like us to do this game? And then they would always say no, because they wanted us to just make more Age of Empires. Now, there's nothing wrong with Age of Empires. I love Age of Empires, but we always wanted to have a different product line as well as Age of Empires, and we never really were able to do that. Okay, because the Microsoft guys didn't want any kind of risk. Okay, But the fans look at it differently. They, they, they know what kind of games are fun. They know what kind of games they like. I mean, I spent my whole life being a fan as well as making games for and with them. So this kind of game is something that we... Actually, we sought regular funding for it, but especially with the economy being like it is, it's been hard to get past the, the uh, fact of the, the people that are capitalists. they aren't... Super imaginative. They don't really know if games are where they should be going. They aren't sure about the horror element. And so I go to the fans and say, well, do you want to have a horror, basically a monster bashing game for for strategy for, for the iPhone and the computer? And if fans like it, well, we'll know because the Kickstarter will fund.
0: Well, that, um, I think that's part of what the great grassroots part of it. Instead of getting big money from one person or one funder uh, funding, you get this yeah, crowd-based funding. And so I, I think a lot of people didn't really realize how that structure was or what they did or how they gave. But you go to kickstarter.com, and you can just put in uh, Cthulhu World Combat, correct? And that it's going to bring your project up, and then they can see the tiers uh, of it. And also uh, you, you can... You can actually
1: just look under the game section. We're one of the staff picks. On the first day we went up, the staff picked us as the one they liked. So like, those are the ones that are rated higher than the... Yeah. You can look at, or you can scroll through all the games. And there's a lot of games and things there that are, that are worthy of support. And I've supported summer projects, and you can go through and say, oh, this is a cool game, or that, you know, there's lots of things, strategy games and role-playing games and adventure games and all kinds of things are put up on Kickstarter. And some of them you look at and go, I don't think I'd contribute to this, you know, but some of them, you know, you look at them and it's, it's, uh, they're exciting. So we're hoping that people will be excited about World Combat. Ultimately, and this is actually a scoop for you because I haven't talked about this in the past, but with anyone else uh, in the media, but I'm planning the idea is that we will expand this to other forms of the world combat series. Uh There will be like, you know, a medieval world combat and, you know, possibly a fantasy world combat, the Blitzkrieg world combat, and there'll be other systems, other things using the system. So I think that would be. Oh, what it may lead into a whole family of games, and they're yeah. compatible, so you could set Cthulhu up against, you know, tanks.
0: Sure, kind of the same, uh, a different theme on top of your that type of uh, structure or that type of. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, engine. it's kind of
1: what Ensemble was doing in a serial fashion, where the essential game system of uh, Age of Mythology or Age of Empires three really wasn't that different from Age of Empires One. I. I mean, we tweaked it, but it was the same basic game system.
0: Sure, sure. So you could, now
1: so you could imagine taking the Cherokees and modifying them so they could exist in, you know, the rise of Rome. Right? Now, it really talking at, possible thing to do
0: talking about that and, and getting the game going, I said I know there's a trailer uh, on the Kickstarter that people can go and watch to talk about it. I think that's very informative. Everybody who wants to see it should go there and, it's also on and see it.
1: Well, uh, it's it, also on YouTube. You can look it up on there. And we have a website, HuluWorldCombat.com, And Cthulhu is C-T-H-U-L-H-U, it's not an easy word to spell.
0: And anybody who listens, uh, yeah, anybody who is listening to this obviously is at the Remember Ensemble uh, Studio site or near there. Maybe you've caught it on the Twitter feed. If you want to see it, uh, you can go to the Remember Ensemble Twitter feed, and we'll put some feeds on it. Also, my personal Twitter and Dean Parker's Twitter, and on the main website. So if you're listening to this but you're not at the website uh, and can't remember how to spell Cthulhu, just go to uh, rememberensemblestudios.com. We'll have all the links up for it, direct links for uh, anyone who wants to give to it Uh, and hopefully we can get some even more momentum for the project that uh, everyone's excited about but we really appreciate this it seems like a very exciting project and an exciting game for some people who may not realize it uh, and talking a little bit uh, about you sandy uh, i I remember way back in the day that uh, i remember the wasn't there an ask sandy forum thread where people could ask you questions when you worked on something enough that
1: it's in the wikipedia article about me
0: Oh, um, really? <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, it, it, one of the things I learned about Wikipedia when, I, when they put the article in about me, my friend of mine told me about it, is that you're not allowed to contribute to your own Wikipedia article. So, since it's about me, I can't correct anything in it. But it does have the ask thing. Uh, one of the other features of the Kickstarter that is really nice is that you can send messages to my to me and my team on Civil World Combat on Kickstarter. You can, you know, and then and we're pretty good about responding and talking to people about things, answering questions, dealing with issues and there's constant updates and not long ago I put in a uh, like some game design notes about how the, the controls are going to work that kind of thing sure so uh... you can actually talk to me well not you know verbally but you can send a, a message to me and uh... This is also through these forums on the uh... on the website so
0: now if through this process I, I you've worked You've worked all types of games. I know that you worked, uh, I think, with Microprose earlier, and, and you worked uh, on Sid Meier's projects, and uh, all these, t- uh, you have a very good pedigree of, of working was on, also on with games. I did
1: software where I did Doom, and Doom 2, and Quake.
0: Yeah, Doom, did actually Doom did 2, is
1: the majority of the levels in those games
0: it's you have this storied history what coming out of ensemble and going into this second phase of things that you're doing this public funded type deal what how is how is gaming changed how's it different for you what things have you really learned and what what things that that you learned while because you're going from triple uh, developing these triple a titles with big Uh, staffs and people working on different stuff down to really taking a a small core of really talented people, artists, and yourself as a designer. Uh, What have you learned from that, and and what's really kind of been different for you? Has it it taught you anything, uh, putting this small project together? I've been
1: working doing computer games since 1988,
0: and so what
1: I've seen in every case is generally small teams Grow into bigger and bigger and bigger teams in each company. And, and, uh, it's, it's, and, and it seems to be the way of the world. What I also notice is that the, the games made with small teams don't seem inferior necessarily to the big teams. They're just different. Sometimes they're chancier or they do something a little more um, uh, unusual because they, with a smaller team, I get to feel they can take more risk. But Ensemble Studio started out as a, as a fairly small company, as you know, and doing a game that was, I think, really solid. HM Age Empires, and then eventually grew to the point where we, we had seventy or eighty people working, on, or actually, you know, working on each game. And uh, I'm not sure the games were better. In some ways, they were. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, this is restarting that thing, going back to the small team. And part of that is, is the nature of the platform. We initially, we were thinking of doing it for the. Uh, for the phone, of course, and that lets you do a, uh, you don't need, I mean, this phone doesn't really, you can't support a game that takes three or four hours to play, right? It has to be a quick, fast turnaround game. But one of the other awesome things about the, uh, the the phone platform is that it's really easy to release updates and expansions. If you go onto the, onto the phones uh, and look at a game, you can, like, at any point, like, some of the expansion could be there. You could download it uh, for free, sometimes there's a small cost. Um, you know, a buck or two, and uh, it's 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 a very nice way of doing updates and getting expansions and having things work. Now we haven't, forgotten, of course, that works on the, on the like computer side too. A lot of steam games do that kind of thing. So that's kind of a world that I haven't dealt with in the past. It was uh, we did the giant, huge, expensive game. You know, like it's you know Age of Empires 3, which cost you know 10 million dollars or whatever to and then. You know, kind of the whole team sort of goes off it to do something else, and the old there might be a team left behind to do updates, but the updates are a big deal because we're doing an update for uh, uh, for that game for Age of Empires three. We had to put a whole thing together and then send it to Microsoft, and they had to test it. Then it had to come back to us. We had to retest it. Then it had to be approved. Then we had to pick the right time, and it was a it was a, a pretty onerous process. And it, we're doing. It the amount of support we were able to do, frankly. But with a smaller team, not needing $10 million you know, a year to survive, uh, we can do updates. More easily, we can react to the fans, which I think is important. But so just the fact that the whole game is being funded by fans. In other words, we're not answering to a, to a Microsoft or you know a, 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 any kind of big brother. It's just the fans are, do, are, are giving us money
0: games that they would
1: like to play. Yeah, so I, we're I, holding to
0: them. I think that it's cut a lot of the fans, red right? tape out of it, is kind of what you're saying, is that it, you yeah. can work on what you want. Uh, people can get their input. Fans can tell you what it is. And it's a quick process in doing it. You cut out this red tape and, it, and shorten your development cycle. And people are just playing games differently. As, as everyone knows, they're playing them more socially in short bursts. And the crowd and the the amount of people, women and kids and older people and everyone is, is love social gaming things they can stop on their break at work make four or five moves on on a couple games and, and go back to work it's something that uh, I, I find myself waiting at the doctor and I used to you'd sit there and read outdated magazines but now you can make two or three moves on a game it's something that that is just growing and getting bigger and and people are really loving it and I think this project would be spectacular in that way especially for people who love strategy games I mean we're talking to tons of people who are, are big Fans of you and big fans of the games you've worked on. Uh, I think it would be a natural game for people who loved Age of Empires and love those type of games and strategy type games to to help fund and to pick up and to buy. It's a, it's yeah. a, just a natural progression, just in shorter bursts.
1: Well, it is, and the thing is that one of the good th- things about it is, is, is it lets you. I mean, you know, see the games month ahead of time, and you actually get a much better look at the games than if it was showing up in an article of the computer gaming world or whatever. Because you get to go and interact with the developers and see their updates all the time, and there's lots of information on it before it gets funded. Um, So you get to—I mean, there's in in the in the video you've seen it. There's—I mean, there's screen. There's not the screenshots. there's, There's actions within the game. You can see that there's kind of a little bit of the game up and running already.
0: The uh, Everybody can uh, go and see that stuff, uh, the, Cthulhu, uh, the Cthulhu website you talked about earlier, uh, and get a lot of that information. Uh, I'll reiterate like I did before, guys. It's it's relatively risk-free, pretty much, or is risk-free. Go yeah. give to the yeah, project. you get
1: your money back or I make the game, right? So either way, you're, you're covered.
0: Either way, you're good. And,
1: I, and also, if I make the game, then you get the rewards that you essentially paid for with the money you sent in.
0: Sure. The w- one thing that I thought that's been amazing since Ensemble's closing, and you can talk a little bit about this or, or not. It doesn't matter. That uh, Ensemble was dissolved, uh, and all of these uh, former employees go, and they have started some other small studios. Uh, obviously, uh, one of them getting acquired by Zynga, and a few uh, Robot Entertainment and, and quite a few other studios. Man, these studios, these talented core of individuals that work for Ensemble, what a great company for one, but look at the core of people in games that have left to make unbelievably fun and su- successful games since they left Ensemble. It's, uh, that pedigree definitely left and, and did some great yeah. right I mean, things. I mean, Ensemble
1: is the best company to work for and to do games. I was so proud of working there. And doing the games ensemble did that was a terrific place. But when Microsoft took the hammer to smash it, and the fragments went everywhere, those fragments didn't just die. They went I and mean, some of, I mean, some of them like I said formed other companies. Some, some of them went uh, were scattered and picked up by other by other firms. That, you know, Pete Breezy, one of our top artists, went to California. He's working for a game company there. So, so like they kind of seeded the whole industry with sort of the ensemble way of thinking. Uh, Greg Street. Um, was the lead designer on Empires uh, 3 he became the, uh, head, the head of the, uh, the, the balancing of uh, War, World of Warcraft. You know, so that we had a major influence on the industry. I think that if we'd stayed as Ensemble, we would have still kept having an influence on the industry because a lot of people wanted to be like us, wanted to do our thing. Um, one of the things I did for the first two years after I left Ensemble, I actually was teaching game design at, uh, at a university level with a professor. To, uh, to, you know, hundreds of students who, you know, learned kind of the ensemble way of doing things. And then those students graduated, went out, and they're out experienced as a real ensemble guy, but they know more about it than the average person. And that also, I think, uh, boosts the game industry's is uh, skill and talent. And then we're all able to try one of the good things about the breakup is that we're all able to try new things we could have done before. So the Bettners were able to do words with friends. That's something that they hadn't we couldn't have done at Ensemble Studios, unable to do this Cthulhu world combat, uh, strategy, light strategy game. That's something I couldn't have done at Ensemble, and uh, not discounting Ensemble. It's just not what Ensemble was, was built to do. You know, Ensemble was built to do a a million really selling, huge triple A title. Now I want my game to be triple A in terms of quality, but it, but it's you know it's not going to have 30 yes. artists behind it.
0: And people, there'll be quite a few people who are fans of some of the the side studios that have broken off and come to this site to follow all their favorite ensemble people who have, have went on to do to do other projects uh, in that aspect. And if you want to know more about uh, the website, something that I really liked is is that it talks more about Sandy on there and kind of his pedigree in gaming and gaming and what he did. Uh, these, uh, 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 the art that you're showing and the the concept stuff uh, on the site and in the video look wonderful. I mean, it is definitely a AAA quality. And it, I, I don't expect anything else out from the uh, ex-ensemble guys—they're all putting out spectacular products, quality products, beautiful things. And it, as as hard as it was, it, fans were just kind of shocked to to see Ensemble go. Uh, those seeds have been planted, and 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 I think they've really reaped the benefits of of them somewhat being. Uh, kind of like typecast in a movie, I think you guys kind of got typecast, over, and oh, they can only do real-time strategy games. That's just what they do. You don't need to do anything else, and they really hadn't, uh, you guys hadn't been able to open the door and let you guys go wild with other genres and other platforms, whether that be Steam or PC or Xbox or whatever. I think in some it's ways. it's a blessing in disguise in some ways.
1: Yeah, well, if, if you walked into Ensemble Studios back in its heyday during the lunch break during the evening to see what games we were playing because we all loved to play games, you know, we played some RTS games, but we were we were playing shooters and we were playing all kinds of things, MMOs and everything. So we liked every kind of game, racing games. We like we play. Um, it wasn't we weren't just we didn't think of ourselves as just an RTS house. Of course, that's old, published, but uh, but we learned that so much we got one of the things about ensemble is we were super super picky about who we hired. I and mean, I remember one guy that came by who had these great qualifications and in the end we didn't hire him and the and the comment was this. Um, one of the guys uh, said, you know, anyone else on Ensemble, if I was locked in the elevator, if the elevator broke down and I was stuck in the elevator with him like two or three hours, we'd have stuff to talk about that would be interesting. This guy I don't think has that same shine. So that's why we turned them down. It's kind of a weird reason. But we all liked each other and liked each other's company and like enjoyed talking about things, you know. One of my jobs uh, is was to uh, be the history expert. I, I was the first I had to knew all the background and history and what the names of the units were and what those campaigns were. And so I would I would one of my jobs was to go and like like, not lecture, but like talk to the artists, talk to the designers, tell them what was going on, what's happening at the battle of the Matoris, what what they have to do to make this thing come to life. And I really enjoyed doing that. Wait. But they and
0: that's that 's yeah. kind of interesting yeah. a lot that, of people kind of talk to you and know you and talk to the people at ensemble uh, and they hear a lot of the interviews and it 's kind of amazing what the perception of what people do and how they work and what they 're doing you don 't think about people love that historical uh, genre, how how you guys really took real history and tried to integrate it as best you can accurately, and still make the game fun, uh, and kind of merge those two things together. But they don't think about when an artist is painting some, or you know building something in three D or, or painting something or or making some art for a game that someone had to really do the research someone of what that what their clothes look like that, and what, what you know what the gun looked like. like. there's know,
1: what yeah. the gun well, I had to get I had to get the art for that, it, it, my, or, the co- or the concept artist, the artists were. Sitting there and I said, hey, we need to have a coyote warrior. And they're like, what the heck does a coyote warrior look like? I said, okay, here's what order of weapons, are like, this is what you, you know. And they had to have, they had creative input on it as well, but, but, you know, these were real characters. You know, if you look closely at the Oprichniki, you'll see dog heads on their saddles, because they had dog heads they carried on their saddles. You know, they're little, little tiny bits like that, you know, who tried to tear. You talked about, um, earlier that I had the Ask Sandy man bread. Yeah, I had that red for, uh, for years, I think, I'm, uh, mostly on the, uh, the Heaven Games Network, where I basically answer any questions people did ask. but I also would answer lots of questions about Ensemble, and I would get in trouble, I would say, about two or three times a year for telling the fans too much about the game. They were like, oh, we want to keep that, that quiet. <laughs> that was a later release. You know, and then they'd, they'd browbeat me, and I'd go, uh... <laughs> Because I always was, in the, I was on the side of giving the fans more information. I trusted the fans to do the right thing, you know. And besides, if the fans heard something they didn't understand or didn't like, and they, like, talked about it enough, that, that would either signal us it was a red flag, I figured. We'd know ahead of time. Sure, and, a just, and with
0: right. the information age and in the internet and interviews like this and, and Kickstarter uh, crowdfunded projects, it's uh, amazing how how see-through and transparent some of this design has become and i think from from your perspective that may be refreshing refreshing in some ways because as you're building the game someone says hey have you thought about this or i don't like that or that's not a good idea so you can kind of you know, instead of releasing it and going, ah, okay, well, the fans didn't like that, Does it, do you think that would helps in the project of being more transparent like that? I mean, it's kind of cool. You get to go to the website, and, and they can send you a message or ask about something.
1: Or ask about something. Well, it's a huge advantage for, for me, and I think for the fans. Back in the background we always problem, to always have a joke about our first 100,000 playtesters, which, which were, like, the early adopters of the game. And then we, like, the joke was that we do the game, we'd go out there, then the uh, people would play it, and they'd find all our horrible balance errors, and they'd post it in the forums, we had to fix that, right? But, the, the thing is that with the Kickstarter method, and with being in contact with the people, then you can actually affect the game design before it comes out. You know, if, I, if I'm looking at my messages, and I'm seeing that there's, like, you know, eight people, or ten people, or twelve people, who are saying, you know, you really need to have, uh, Three, really good factions in the game instead of four, like not quite a solid, or whatever they're asking. Maybe they want a million factions, you know, um, or they want to have a map, so they want to have a different. I've already gotten some of those, some of the information from them. Like originally, we weren't going to, we were going to do a PC version, but it wasn't going to be a top priority. But now, because of information from the fans, that's like a number one priority of us to make sure we get that PC version out right at the start. So the fans, the most, and the thing is, it's the most dedicated, the most interested, the most invested fans that are there that are going out of the Kickstarter and talking to us. Those are the guys we most want to listen from, because they have their finger on the pulse of the community, casual guys who play a game for an hour and then toss it away. You know, we don't want their opinions. We not want to listen to the guys who, who know their stuff. So it's like putting the Kickstarter and having the website and uh, to the fans, we can get that feed before the game's out, which we never could do before. I think we did it once on the War Chiefs we had the Olympians come in for, uh, for two weeks to playtest the new Indian sips. And that was a huge success for us. Um, you know, I wish we'd done that earlier. Because these were, the Olympians, I don't know if you know about them, they were essentially four of us, we called them. They were eight of the most experienced uh, players of, of, of uh, Asian empires. And uh, those guys had really cogent points. Well, the Kickstarter, people who communicate over the Kickstarter, I think, are people that have those kind of coaching points. they people I want to talk to and interact with. I mean, I'm still designing the game, I mean, but they can, they can steer me away from, from issues that they feel really strongly about, or let me know issues that they think would be really good to have.
0: Wonderful. Go. Go. Now, when you talked about ensemble and working there and getting this information and and giving it to them, it, and talked about how what your job was and what you did, that seems like an amazing amount of just reading. When you talk about stuff that's historically accurate, did you just read tons of history books and information and do research? Was that? I mean, there was that a big part of that job to that just job. consume tons of books?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you the truth. When I was at work, I have a tons of books. I have a, If you if you looked at the Kickstarter, you've seen my yes, library. Yes, yes, I
0: saw. It looked like a wall of games and books and maybe some board games.
1: Books, There's a lot of games, games and a lot of books, a lot of DVDs. And I'll tell you the truth. When I was at work, I didn't read the history books. Maybe when I was like, you know, uh, you know, on lunch break or, or something, I would I would have a book, right? Or when the, or when I'm waiting for the or when the servers are down or when I'm waiting for. You know, then to finish a build. I got 20 minutes to wait for the build to finish, Yeah, then I'd read. But I didn't read on the job, because ever since I was, uh, all my life, growing up, i have been interested in history and science. And so I naturally read a lot of this stuff. And uh, and when we're doing a new game, one of the first things we would do is we'd take a trip down to the Half Price Books. To be, so it would be a humble book trip. And like five or ten of us would go down there and with the artists, and we'd like and I would usually have to go along and we'd pick out books that would be good about the, the topics, pick out art books on the characters um, if it was, if there was something in the end of it I didn't know very much about like for the Koreans for example, I didn't know anything about Korean history so I had to bone up on that so I had to get a book for that, but I'd read that in the evening so at work I had plenty to do um, writing design documents and balancing the game and running playtests and and, design and creating units that was one of my jobs, i create units for the games and uh, like the, for most of the games, uh, I was the person that created the uh, all the upgrades and all the units. And I would, and I and I actually did the AI for Age for Age of Empires too. So they didn't like it; it was my fault. <laughs> but uh, they, they said they wanted the, a programmer designed system for making the AI. They said, "Okay, go ahead and, and build the AI with the system I built." And I kept breaking it because I kept wanting the AI to be more complicated. So he said, originally set it up so there could be you know, a hundred different commands that AI would have, and I rapidly broke that. And eventually, I went up to a thousand, like I broke that, and he had to go higher. So he was, <laughs> he was at the end. But, it's, but, well, that's but it did. I to be flexible, you know? Well,
0: that's a, a great. I mean, like that. uh, that's part of why people come and listen at the site, and, and it, it's to learn where the people have went, learn what projects they're on, but we like to give them a little bit of insight of what it was like to work there, and, and what you did, and maybe sometime we can also sit down and just do a longer interview. I'd love to talk about getting there, and what it was like when you were first there, and working on the projects, uh, up till the time you left, but, but we'll spend some more time, because I know fans will, after they hear this, they're definitely, going to be emailing me telling me to, to uh, meet up with you again and, and do a kind of a historical look back at ensemble from your perspective but this is an exciting project uh, and we really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us and explaining it about us uh, and uh, tell them about the website again and tell them about uh, some of the levels and of giving about, and, uh, and, everything levels this, uh, and
1: everything Kick, else go ahead go ahead okay Kickstarter is on Kickstarter.com. And you go there, and there's a section where you can do can search right on the website for Cthulhu World Combat. Or you can go to CthulhuWorldCombat.com, which is our website. You look for us on YouTube. On the Kickstarter site, you go to the game section if you want. And you can browse through all the games until you find us, which will not take very long. Um, one of the, uh, th- there's different funding levels. I think the lowest one is $10 or something like that. It goes up to 10000 So if you're a deep-pocketed uh, person, then we'd... Sure, appreciate that. But, uh, but at each level of donation, we have a list of gifts that you get. You know, uh, things that you get that you receive from us for uh, contributing. And uh, you can look over the gifts, see what you like. Whatever you give will be super grateful uh, if you can. Uh, one of the things that's going up, I actually talked to the Heaven Games people, and if Cthulhu World Combat funds, they're going to instigate a uh, a page for it. So there'll be its own. Kevin Games' section for Sulu World Combat, which would be cool, which I will be on all the time talking to people. Plus, like I said, when you go into the, the homepage for the World Combat on Kickstarter, you will then see that a place where you can send me messages, where you can communicate, where you can look over the updates and see new things that happen. And we're posting new stuff in there all the time.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sandy. We'll wrap up here at the end. Uh, I'll be posting this here in a couple days, guys. All you remember Ensemble Studios fans, uh, we ask you when you see the tweet, when you see the link to the interview, retweet it to your friends. Tell them about it and uh, get that circulating. The the best thing that you can do to help this project, besides also just giving yourself, is to tell people about it and to retweet it and to post it on your Facebook and to like it because that just perpetuates other people's It. And you know, yeah, you're f- the
1: more it gets retweeted, the more it gets posted, the better off we are. We kind of jumped into Kickstarter without fully knowing what we're getting into, but I think we're understanding it now. And uh, well, I think well, there's always new things, and I think with the ensemble fans giving us a boost, because you guys know the kind of games that we did. You know, I mean, you've seen my work, you've played my games, so if you liked them, you know, this is your chance to be kind of in early and help support another one like that.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sandy. We'll wrap up here. Uh, Time is very precious during this uh, time of development uh, and and getting things around, and you took a good forty-five minutes with us here to talk and and interview. Uh, We thank you so much again. Anything? Any last thoughts or any last things you want to leave us with before before we head out?
1: You know, I'll tell you the truth. When we were working an ensemble and we were doing our games, we constantly would talk about the fans and, and if they would like something, if they wouldn't like something, we would say, "I think fans will love this." And our our gauge for telling if a fan would like something, also it became if we really like something, that we said if we like it, they'll like it, because we're the same species. You know, we're we're all we're fans too. Sure. You know, and that's kind of where this game come from. It's a game that it's kind of my dream game, one of my dream games. Well, I, I guess it's my dream game. I would love to do this game, and so I figure there's enough people who are like me that would also love it, and I'm hoping there's enough people who will will trust my. You know, look at my my past history or the games I've done, and say, "Yeah, he knows what he's doing," and uh, give me give me that chance. So I look forward to talking to you again uh, at a later date about Ensemble Studios or whatever you want to talk about. My um, invite to come visit still open. And thank you
0: very much. Well, thank you so much, uh, Sandy. This is Kenny Newell for RememberEnsembleStudios.com. Uh, make sure you go to Kickstarter. Make sure you give it the project. I know i want to go give uh, a little bit to it tonight, and I encourage everyone out there to do it. We appreciate it so much. Again, Kenny Newell for RememberEnsembleStudios.com.